Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Well, we are at our last in-person Sunday gathering of 2020. We did it. Let's give ourselves, <laughs> let's give ourselves a round of applause. Uh, not only that, but this uh, morning will mark the last Sunday of Advent, uh, which is when the, the church, you know, traditionally we've built into this rhythm of the year of, of leading up into Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we've been doing Advent a little bit different. Um, you know, we, we don't have um, our candle wreath. We haven't been lighting the candles, you know, that correspond to the different weeks. And, and, so, and that's by design. You know, some, sometimes traditions can get a little lost on us when we uh, do them every single year. And so we don't want to rob those of their meaning. So sometimes, you know, take a break from that will help give it some context for uh, the next year. But we do have viewed um, definitely the month of December, this time of preparation for us as a church family, uh, looking forward to Christmas. And that is what that Advent season is, is supposed to portray. It's this um, idea of, of waiting and expectation. And so a lot of times we um, think about uh, just where the, the nation of Israel was leading up to Jesus, this, this gap in a, of about 400 years of no prophets coming forward, and, and then Jesus appears on the scene. So there was this, this expectation and longing for, for God to return to his people. And that should convey, even for us today, not only in the looking back and remembering, but there is this aspect of Advent uh, of also calling the church not just to remember, but to also look ahead. Because we are also currently in this place of, of expectation and longing with um, uh, the birth of Jesus behind us historically, we as the church are also looking ahead, knowing that Jesus is coming again. And so we've been, you know, these past couple weeks, our goal was to kind of take this, this bigger picture view of the scope of history and seeing how God, um, even from creation, his design and plan was to be with his people. And so we saw that in the Old Testament. And then we, uh, we talked about that last week when uh, God literally intrudes into this broken world by taking on humanity in the incarnation, in what we celebrate of Christmas, God coming in the flesh here on this earth. But we also know like history is not done unfolding. And so we do think that is a, a great way to look at the scope of the biblical narrative, those three words, God with us. But today we're also going to spend some time not just looking back, but looking ahead down the corridor of history into what is coming um, to us as God's people. And you should know the answer of what we're looking ahead to. It is still the same message, God with us. And that is why Jesus took on that name at his birth, Emmanuel, signifying that reality that God wants to be with his people. And so this morning we are going to be looking ahead and trying to uh, call our hearts to remember and internalize that Jesus did not come to make us moral people. Jesus came to make us his own, his own. And so just to recap where we've been, the setup where we are going uh, first week of December, we talked about the fact that God created us to be with us. 
That's what we need to remember because that will set the foundation for the rest of our lives of understanding our purpose and um, the unique reality that in our view, God is not distant and far off, uninvolved in the affairs of man, but God is present in the mess because that's why he created us was to be with us. And we see that so clearly at Christmas time because we look at the incarnation that God became one of us to be with us. And so he's not um, um, just this outside external force that set things in motion, but he literally, as it says in the scriptures, took on flesh. He became one of us. Philippians 2 talks about how he emptied himself. He did not consider his equality with God a thing to be grasped, but became a servant to all. And so this morning, what we're going to be talking about is that God will bring us to himself to be with us forever. So God created us to be with us, God became one of us to be with us, and God will bring us to himself to be with us forever. What an incredible reality. So we're going to spend this morning in a couple of different, uh, I think, significant passages of Scripture. Um, So go ahead and and flip open to John 14. That's uh, where we're going to kick off this morning. And so one of the things I do want to recognize as we, as we look towards the future, um, there are some things that are just really explicit in the scriptures that paint this incredible picture for us, uh, but also there is a lot of just mystery as to how God's plan is going to unfold and just the, the depth of that reality of God being with us, it drew to mind for me 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which is what we typically look at as, as the love passage of Scripture. But right at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, it's talking about the partial and the impartial and when the partial is going to pass away. And I love it. It uses this line. It says, Now we see in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face. So now there is this mystery as we look ahead at the scope of history, knowing that God's coming back for his people, but we're only going to be able to glimpse it dimly. And so our challenge this morning is to try to allow this space in our mind, in our heart, for a a huge amount of expectation, but also knowing that God's going to blow that up completely because he's so much bigger than we ever could imagine. And so that's our, I think, our struggle on this side of eternity, knowing it's going to be big and then accounting for the fact that it's going to even be bigger than we could think about. But let's look in John 14. And so this is uh, Jesus himself. You know, we're, we're past Christmas at this point in the Bible. Um, and, and so it's Jesus' ministry, but he's, he's talking to his disciples, and he's talking about this future reality of when uh, redemption will be fully known and, and God will be with his people. And this is what he says in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Uh, some pretty incredible statements by Jesus to his disciples, uh, kind of unlocking some understanding for them. And it goes back to what we talked about that first week. You know, when you see Jesus, you see the Father, and that's the way this beautiful image of God unfolds in Scripture, what we call the Trinity, and how even in the Old Testament, when there was these appearances of people encountering God, it was probably Jesus just uh, before uh, the incarnation, before he took on flesh. But I really love the statement in verse 3. Because we know that Jesus has left. You know, none of us in our lifetime have experienced uh, the bodily presence of Jesus on this earth. Um, We know that he ascended to be back with the Father, that he, as it says, is at the right hand, and he's our advocate. He's interceding on our behalf, and when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit. So our interaction with God has been through the Holy Spirit. But I I love that he says in verse 3, he says, If I go and prepare, um, prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The plan is God with us and us with God. What an incredible reality that Jesus has proclaimed to us. Um, I don't know if any of you have had uh, the experience with uh, a group in Arlington. Well, they're not exclusive to Arlington, but has anybody encountered the Mother God people? Okay, if you haven't, I'll um, enlighten you. So uh, there's this cult um, that it's, they have a very long title, official title. It's World Mission Society Church of God, something to that effect. Uh, it got kicked off in Korea in the 60s. And um, when, when I say cult, just as like a technical definition, it's um, a group that claims to be Christian, but they are not. Um, and so it, it got kicked off in Korea in the 60s. Um, and it, it, uh, it involved this uh, married couple, one of whom has passed away, but there is a woman who is still alive in Korea that claims to be God the mother. So they're adding on to the teachings of Scripture, and so they are inferring that, hey, God refers to himself as a father, so if there's a father God, there has to be a mother God, and it happens to be this older woman who lives in Korea. So they actually have a church building in Arlington and have been pretty active in Arlington the past you know, five or so years. I've had lots of friends... Uh, they're um, a, li- a little bit militant, uh, evangelistic, uh, will knock on your door, will approach you. And so I've had some friends who've encountered them, so I've kind of heard a little bit about this, that they believe uh, God is also a woman and an older woman living in Korea. Um, and so um, personally, when people knock on my door or approach me with some of these more outlandish claims, um, you know, people from the Mormon faith or Jehovah Witness— I get really excited. I think that's when my seminary degree really comes in useful, and so I'm ready if, if somebody knocks on my door. But it just so happened, uh, me and Emily one day were at the mall at Barnes & Noble, and I was looking at books, and this guy approached me, and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, yeah, sure, what's up? And, he's, and this is how they usually start their, their, their dialogue, because it's intriguing sounding. They say, hey, have you ever heard of God the Mother? And a lot of people are like, what is that? And that's their entrance. So just, just so you know, that's just a PSA if you encounter these people. Um, but I had, and so he said, have you heard of God the Mother? And I was like, I have heard of God the Mother. Let's talk. <laughs> And so he, uh, he kind of launched into his spiel where they, you know, take two verses out of context. And here's another pro tip. If you're encountering people, if they only want you to look at two verses, uh, just back up five or six and then read ahead five or six, and that usually clears up whatever they're trying to say. Uh, so we, we started to get into it, and he was starting to tell me his kind of, you know, they have their little script they go through, and I kind of just stopped him because I had this question for him. 
And I think it threw him off his game because we got ahead of it. And I said, hey, um, tell me if I'm wrong. This is what I've heard. Y'all believe God the mother is this older woman who lives in Korea, correct? And you could tell he didn't want to get there yet. And he's like, um, yeah. He's like, yes, that's you know, part of our teachings. And I was like, I just have one question for you. I was like, if you think God is in the flesh on this earth, I said, why are you here and not there? And he really didn't have an answer for me. And it kind of, you know, threw it off. And 30 minutes later, Emily dragged me out of Barnes & Noble and said we had to go. Um, (laughs) But for me, that's immediately where my head went. Because as I think about my faith and the scriptures and what the Bible portrays, the point of this is because I want to be with God. And so I know if it, you know, aligned with my thinking and my beliefs, if I thought God was here on this earth somewhere and embodying human form, I'm going to be there. Because I think that's what happened when Jesus came, and that's what history is pointing us to. And that's why Jesus uh, says this right here. He says, you know, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm going to bring you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That's what I'm looking ahead to. And so I, I do um, I always want to take a note of compassion. I think um, these people were genuine but misguided and have bought into a lie. Um, But for myself, you know, I am looking ahead at the future of my life, and the expectation I have is that now I see dimly, but I'm um, looking ahead to a time where I'm going to see face-to-face, where I am going to be united the way it was supposed to be, the way God designed me and the purpose he designed me for, to be with him for forever. And so that's why I love that Jesus is um, telling his disciples about this, that there is this future to be expectant about, that he is preparing for us, that he might bring us to himself and dwell with his people forever. And what an incredible reality to try to get your minds around. And so I I would say over the scope of my life, as I have um, done my best to follow Jesus, I, I would say, like, I've experienced the presence of God. And I can think of specific moments and instances where it it just um, was more real and more present than other times. And and I hope we've all had a similar type of experience as you follow Jesus. There's just times, you know, there's been times in, in worship services where, you know, hundreds of other people, and I could just feel God talking to me. Like, I've experienced his presence. So, you know, I, uh, for me, you know, I, I think about times, uh, specific moments out in just like a beautiful part of nature where it's like, wow, God, you created this. And I've experienced his presence. And, you know, I can, I can think about times where, where I've been alone and quiet and still, and I've read uh, parts of scripture that just came to life in such a way that I knew I was experiencing the presence of God. And so I've, I have those moments as kind of anchor points throughout my life where I, I know I've encountered God and I've experienced his presence. But then as I read this, I just think I'm looking ahead to something like that is going to be so beyond the limited, broken experience I've had here. Like it's, I, I kept trying to figure out some type of analogy or some way to um, um, uh, proclaim um, this future we're all looking ahead to. And I, I'm, I'm just really at, at a loss for words to think about being in the complete unencumbered, nothing separate us, a lack of brokenness and sinfulness, presence of God face to face. And I don't know what that moment's going to be like. Um, here is my, my limited attempt. Um, 
I'm a sucker for all of those Facebook videos that is um, a service member who's been on deployment who surprises a family member. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm, man, I'm a sucker for those every time. You know, it's always like a kid at his basketball game. It's like he doesn't know his dad's back from Iraq. And, you know, it's always the service member sneaks in or it's the person at home, they don't know it. And so um, the, the, the family member comes right up behind them and then they turn and see and recognize this loved one who they thought was far off, but uh, surprise them up close and, um, and just cue the waterworks, am I right? You know, and, and you see that on that person's face, this complete sense of being overwhelmed at the reunion, that there is so much joy and love and excitement and just a, a complete overwhelming in that moment. And I think there's something akin to that, but I still think that that's too limited uh, a notion to think about what it'll mean to go from seeing dimly to seeing face to face because Jesus is coming back for his people so that where he is, we might be also. I love the way the Apostle Peter put it in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. He said this. He says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are looking ahead to this beautiful future, complete reality of God with us. And so as we look at the complete arc of history, we're living in this time that is kind of uh, held in this tension with the backdrop of uh, Jesus in the flesh and the crucifixion behind us and still looking ahead to the fact that history is not complete. And so um, if you kind of just think about the whole narrative of Scripture, we're in this period where, you know, we have uh, the creation of the world, of God speaking it into existence, um, and then we have the fall of sin entering into the world. And then this next period is really one of redemption, that God calling out the nation of Israel and then proclaiming that there's going to be a Messiah. And then Jesus intrudes into the affairs of the world at the incarnation, at Christmas, and then lives his life and takes the sins of the world on himself. So we're in this act of redemption, um, but it is setting up for the final act of history in the consummation of God with his people. And so that's what we are looking together. And it's that such an interesting word that we use in so many uh, contexts, but it really means just a coming together. And that's why we get all this imagery within the scriptures of Jesus calling the church his bride. And when all things are brought together, you know, it's called this wedding feast of the lamb where we're going to be united with our savior face to face, nothing hindering our communion with him, God with us. And I love that there is this mystery to it, but we uh, do uh, get these um, images and, and pictures of it. And so I want to look at one of those in Revelation 21, which I hope we've all read at some point, and it just gets our heart beating a little bit faster when we think about this reality of what's going to happen when we're united with our Savior, what we are looking uh, forward to, the outcome of our faith. I love how the song, the old song puts it, the sky, not the grave, is our goal. So Revelations 21, 1 through 4 says this, talking about this moment, this consummation of uh, God bringing his people to himself. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, 
and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God with us. I always find it interesting, this kind of positioning of our faith, that there's a large aspect of our faith that is pointing back to saying, hey, these things happened. So when we think about Jesus, you, you know, there's not even just the biblical account, there's, you know, extra biblical accounts that, you know, by any historic uh, standard, we can be really confident that Jesus lived on this earth. I mean, there is so much evidence of that from a historical perspective. And so we even look back farther and we look at the Old Testament and the people that waited for Jesus' arrival, they looked at the, the prophetic words. And so um, by different counts, if you take all the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, like he fulfilled like over 350 just by the way he showed up. The time he showed up, uh, uh, Mary being a virgin, the town he showed up to, the way he lived his life. Um, they were looking back at what God had said and then seeing it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so we also look back at history, but we're waiting ahead for something else. And so if we can also see that Jesus followed through and was faithful, fulfilling, you know, thousands of years of prophecy, one of the things that should do for us is is, um, build a supreme confidence that this reality we're reading in Revelation, although it has not yet happened, it's going to happen. And so that should build this confidence in us as we try to live our lives to honor God. And when that is difficult and we might have those questions or doubts of what is this all for, we can both look back and then look ahead that this is what it's all for. It's not that I might be a slightly better person. It's that I am looking ahead to this reality that's going to be the fulfillment of every longing heart that all of those different empty spaces in my life that have caused uh, hurt and anxiety and stress, all of those will finally make sense when God unites us with himself forever. And that's just, I don't know, for me, as I get distracted from that a lot through the everyday just drudgery of life. But when I hit pause and think about what my life is aiming for, it, it, it does something for me. You know, it, it, it fills up some areas of joy that are lacking when I, when I forget what I'm living for. And I hope that can do this for us this morning. You know, um, one, one of the things for me um, is I'm pretty practical by nature, and so um, uh, I always just kind of ask the question, okay, like this is this huge theological truth. God's going to prepare a place. He's going to bring us to himself. That's in the future, so, so what do I do right now? And I hope you ask yourself the same question. And so um, I think that's one of the wonderful things about Christmas. Um, you know, this whole month is we do a lot of things, um, and I, I think there's some really good things about that. You know, I, I know we often kind of bemoan that we lose the reason for the season and it's all commercialized and materialistic. Uh, But there's also a lot of just, you know, really good things that happen at Christmas. Um, So one of the things I I think about is uh, typically my house starts to look different 
Uh, you know, we, we put out some decorations. Uh, we try to keep it a bit more straight if we're having people over. So my, my house starts to look different. Uh, my plans get a bit more intentional uh, because, you know, um, there's like typically, you know, COVID's a little bit of an off year, but typically I have like 17 different Christmas parties I have to go to and six white elephant gifts to find. So I have to start uh, putting things in the calendar. Like if I want to see anybody who's visiting in Arlington, you got to make sure those dates align. So I get a bit more intentional with my time and making sure I'm uh, planning that, those things out. Like I want to see the, these family members on this day. And then the other day we're going to see these family members. So I get a bit more intentional. And then I love in, in the church, you know, uh, one of the things that happens is uh, we tend to also think about the people that might not have what we have. So, you know, we packed all the shoe boxes that are going to go to kids all over the world. That's awesome. We put this box out to do a coat drive for Mission Arlington. I don't know what your families do. I know a lot of times around holidays, we, you know, we take time. We might volunteer at a food kitchen or we might go uh, work the Christmas store at Mission Arlington. We have these different things we do. And then, you know, Christmas Day comes or Christmas Eve first. And we, you know, we celebrate as a church family. So we get together and we worship. And then Christmas Day, you know, we give gifts to the people that um, are closest to us in our life. And, and I feel just in general, December um, is, you know, even around not just the church, but I, I feel like there's typically a, a kindness in the air. And I, I don't wait last minute to shop, so I don't know what Target's going to look like this week. But I feel like outside of that, you know, maybe somebody pays it forward at a drive through and somebody will buy your Starbucks drink. You know, uh, people are greeting one another, saying Merry Christmas, saying Happy Holidays. There's just this kind of spirit that permeates our society. And I would say most of it's a net positive. I know there's some negatives in there, but, you know, we take all this time and do all these really um, specific things for this season. And it got my head to thinking, and um, I want to look at what Jesus says in Matthew 25, because it also talks about um, this returning he is going to do and um, has some other... um, just instruction, I think, that's going to be helpful for us this morning. If we are living in the reality of complete belief that Jesus is coming back for us, we're going to be united with him, um, I think it should spur some action for us. So if you look at the end of uh, Matthew 25, uh, verse 31 through 40, this is what Jesus says about his return. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on, on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who, who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Doesn't that sound like Christmas? I don't know, for me, I I haven't typically thought of that as a Christmas passage, but now I kind of do. Because I I, want to know what... um, 
this creator I'm going to meet face to face. I want to know what he's like, and I want to know how I can honor him with my life. And I love that Jesus gives that for us. And I think it is a call for us to remember today, like if we are living in uh, the reality of belief that Jesus is coming back for me so that where he is, I might be also like, what do I do in the here and the now? And and I think what this is telling us is honestly, like we should be living each day like it's Christmas. We should be living each day like uh, the extra acts of kindness I do or the choices I make or the way I uh, prioritize uh, my schedule and, and the different actions that we take typically just in December. Those should be markers of our entire life because what that says to a watching world is that I am waiting for something better, that my eyes are not fixed on how I can make my life a little bit more comfortable, but my eyes are fixed on a greater reality where God God is going to redeem all the hurt and brokenness of this world. And as a part of that redemption, I get to participate in the acts of God by living a life of service and love towards others, bringing peace on earth and goodwill towards men because that was the message of Jesus. And as a a son and a daughter of the living God, I get to participate in that act as well, telling people that, hey, I have a Savior. He came and he lived on this earth. And not only that, he's coming back for me. So I I don't uh, just live for the here and the now. I live for the future. And one of the ways I want to do that is to prioritize the love of God in the world around me. How can we live in that tension of the cross behind us and heaven in front of us? We live like God is with us now and we want to proclaim his goodness to the world regardless of how the world treats us. We get to tell them about an incredible Savior that came thousands of years ago and took the sins of the world on his life. And although he was perfect, he died to complete this plan so that we could be with him for eternity for all those who've placed their faith in him. So on this last Sunday before Christmas and our last in-person gathering of 2020, I would just say one thing to close up. Church, let's live ready. Would you pray with me?